I'm your host, David Nage. This is Baselayer, where institutional investors come to learn about crypto. The views, information, or opinions expressed during the Baselayer podcast series are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of ARCA, where David Nage is a principal. ARCA is not responsible and does not verify for accuracy of any of the information contained in the podcast series available for listening. The primary purpose of this podcast series is to educate and inform. The podcast series does not constitute financial advice or other professional advice or services. Please do your own research. Baselayer is sponsored by Diginex and by its digital asset exchange, Equas. As an exchange, Equas is focused on delivering innovative product compliance, fairness, and most importantly, trust. In a time when institutional investors are beginning to seriously review digital assets for their portfolio, these are key elements necessary to build bridges to new investors. Equas currently provides digital asset spot trading and perpetual futures, and plans to soon offer dated futures and options. Parent company Diginex also provides capital markets advisory, asset management, and custody. To check them out, you can go to diginex.com and equos.io. That is E-Q-U-O-S.io. This is David, and this is your new episode of Baselayer, and one that I'm really looking forward to uh, as the world of decentralized finance has exploded, and we're seeing all of this experimentation that will hopefully one day yield a new world of finance. I have Nodar Janashia with me today. He is the founding member at Zapper. Nodar, how are you? Good. Thanks for having me, David. Looking forward to it. This is a project that has been trickling into my ears over the last few weeks. Everyone who's been taking a look at it has been uh, very, very pleased and will explain why and what you're doing there. Um, but before we get too far into, obviously, the project and the mission, what we'd like to do is how do we get to this point? How did Nodar get to this point? Um, what were you doing before? And in the evolution of your professional career, what really resonated about decentralized and distributed systems that really made you want to be a founder in the space? Yeah, great question. So, uh, I guess I should start out. Uh, I mean, like I, I've always been interested in accounting and finance. Uh, that's what I majored in uh, back in school at Fordham. And during uh, during the, my school years, I used to intern at one of like the big accounting firms, BDO. Uh, so yeah, like I, w- I always had interest uh, in accounting and how to make uh, the space better overall. Uh, after graduating, I started working at a startup. Uh, called Plan Guru is like a budgeting and forecasting software. And that's when I uh, stumbled upon this uh, like Ethereum mining video. So like I've kept hearing about like Bitcoin in the background for a couple of years from my friends, but I never really got into like how it works under the hood. And it wasn't until I saw that video where it like really struck me a proof of work as like the next step to the double entry accounting system. So like, uh, you know, we've been using this you know, double entry accounting system, this underlying uh, way of kind of like checking ourselves since like the 15th century. And that hasn't changed. And uh, to me, that right away, like proof of work concept, the consensus mechanism was really 
kind of rung a bell is like that that's like the next step uh right. to the double entry accounting system so i started like my, my starting ground was actually like mining mm -hmm. so i like set up a miner literally at my house i had like a old uh old pc i just bought a couple more gpus and like literally like built a mining rig um and was just like learning how all of these new kind of protocols that were coming around at that time, which was like summer 2017 mm -hmm. and really trying to like see what each one of them offers and kind of gravitated obviously myself towards the uh, DeFi movement once that started up like in the summer of 2018 around mm -hmm. there. And I actually started making a DeFi tutorials. It's called like even the site is up right now. It's DeFi tutorials.com. I was just like really looking uh, kind of like, Okay, like how can I contribute to the space? I wasn't sure exactly uh, what to do at that point, but I knew I had to start somewhere. And I saw a couple of my friends having kind of, uh, were, were skeptical about like depositing their money into even simple things like compound, right? Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, like definitely people want to see uh, like somebody test drive, like uh, kind of like how these DeFi protocols actually work under the hood. So that's literally what I started doing with DeFi tutorials. Uh, after that, I got like more and more feedback. It was kind of a low hanging fruit for to build up a community in general because like really nobody really knew where I was coming from, what I was doing. So it was a great way to build up a community as every single tutorial was shared by the underlying protocol that I was doing it for. And from there, I like one weekend hacked up this other tool called DeFiStrategies.com, which was like a trading simulator for DeFi. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then from there, that's where kind of the, uh, the idea for Zaps came about, kind of like combining several DeFi actions together to present like an end goal to an end user and make that easier. So that's what we mean by like abstracting those complexities. Right. And uh, yeah, like I saw uh, there was, uh, I believe, yeah, it was a Kyber virtual hackathon going on at that time. It was November of last year. Mm -hmm. And uh, I knew like this was going to be a bigger scope project. So I was literally just reached out on their Discord looking for help on right. the smart contract side. And like literally within five minutes, I got a respond, response from a developer. And we just like literally started hammering out the uh, contracts because the deadline was like literally less than two weeks away. Mm -hmm. It was like a 90 day virtual hackathon, but I only like kind of applied like two weeks before the deadline. Right. And we ended up winning that hackathon, you know, and uh, that's where like really gave us a push to obviously keep building. And uh, like almost immediately after the hackathon, we released what I would say right now is kind of like the precedent of uh, all of our zaps, which was like the Unipool zaps, which would allow you to add liquidity to Uniswap pools with one transaction with one asset. Got it. That's that's a hell of a journey. Um, we're going to have to unbundle a lot of that because I'm cognizant that there are people who listen to my show who just heard you talk about Uniswap and pools and have no idea what the hell you're talking about. Um, this is a whole new world to them, as you can appreciate. Yes, you've been in DeFi since 2018, but the radar, if you will, the target has not necessarily been on DeFi up until recently. You know, I have speculated that, you know, we're all kind of in forms of lockdown and quarantine. And so this gamification has kind of come into play where we've seen that with Robinhood on the traditional equity side. And I think we are seeing that with DeFi where people are home. They don't know what to do. You know, they're trying to figure out ways to keep themselves amused and entertained and busy and productive. Um, and so 
I'm just, you know, we'll have to kind of unravel some of that. But I think before we unravel Uniswap and the pools and everything that's happening on liquidity mining, which we've already done on the show. So if you go back over the last few weeks, if you're listening, you will see, you know, conversations from Robert Lesher from Compound, from Fernando from Balancer, from Kane from Synthetics, some of the best projects out there right now that are all kind of participating in this new world. But I want to focus on your mission. And so as you alluded to, kind of abstracting the complexities. So your mission is kind of twofold. It's to increase the GDP of DeFi by abstracting the complexities of accessing unique opportunities faced by retail investors, fund managers, and builders around the world. And so again, for those that are learning about that, they might say, well, what complexities are there? Well, they don't understand what the complexities are. You know, for people who are just learning, they may or may not have already acquired some Ethereum. They may or may not have already gotten a MetaMask wallet that then feeds into some of these different platforms. So explain to them the complexities of this world as it is today. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, it was kind of frustrating also when I when I kind of got started within DeFi, I was kind of even a bit uh, surprised that these tools weren't available yet. But so like uh, the uh, complexities that we're really abstracting here are, for example, like um, in order to provide liquidity to Uniswap pool, you need to come in with two underlying assets and they need to be in an exact proportion of 50-50 in relation to each other. So you need to provide both assets in exactly equal amounts in terms of USD. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you are someone who, you know, like you said, just got into Ethereum, they might have some Ether, they might have already even MetaMask wallet set up. So just getting there, right? That's kind of like a couple of kind of hurdles you have to jump through, right? Yeah, you're, you're far in the game already. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But once you're there, like, yeah, it's been like kind of like the first layer. But now in order to like, say, like I said, like come into a pool, you need to then convert in most cases, half of your ether that you're holding into another asset that you want to hold, perhaps. And then you need to do another transaction which approves you to do something with that asset that you acquired. And then you need to do a third transaction that actually takes those two assets, Ethereum and your the, your acquired asset as an ERC-20 token, and then add it to a pool in order to mint these pool tokens, which basically track your liquidity that you've added uh, to a Uniswap pool. So like the complexity here is in order to get to your end goal, right? You need to make three on-chain transactions. So this is, you know, three times you could kind of drop off as a user, obviously, Mm -hmm. you could say. And then three times you have to wait for one transaction to settle in order to start and initiate the next one. Right. So this is like the one first thing we started providing people is this abstraction of combining and bundling on-chain transactions into only one. Mm -hmm. And that saves you gas and of course time. Like the time is, especially like in today's world where gas prices are like skyrocketing is really crucial. So let's talk about that for a second. So there's a few things I want to unravel there. First and foremost, in your example, you have Ethereum and you have now MetaMask. And for those that don't know about that, you can just simply Google MetaMask and figure that out. It's not that difficult. There's a nice plugin um, and it allows you to kind of have some compostability 
let you go to all these different platforms, whether it's games, whether it's the Stefi stuff, and kind of play around. Um, but let's be honest that the reason why many of these people are doing that is because there is yield to be made when you actually do that, correct? Yeah, exactly. Uh, but it's not always positive yield, you see. So, for example, every time after you've added liquidity to a pool, every time the swap happens on on that pool for that pair, your underlying uh, assets, they change in proportion every time. So they you could say they rebalance every time there is a swap that happens for that mm -hmm. trading pair, right? right? So at the end of the day, you know, uh, there's this thing called impairment loss, uh, which basically, uh, you know, I, I like to call it actually opportunity cost. So mm -hmm. it's like, kind of like your, your opportunity cost of holding those two assets as opposed to holding just one of them, right? So for example, if one of the two underlying assets, like say, you know, it's a trading pair, we can take a look at a clear example, like Ethereum and say uh, SNX, right? Like mm -hmm. synthetics. And if uh, price of Ethereum compared to SNX doubles, right? Mm -hmm. So Ether doubles, meanwhile, SNX stays the same. So like, it didn't go down or anything. So now in your pool, you're going to have less Ethereum and more SNX tokens. Right. So typically when the price of one of the underlying assets doubles, you experience around a 5% impairment loss. So you still catch 95% of the upside, right? Mm -hmm. But there's that, you know, impairment loss from all the rebalancing that's happening. Right. But now, you know, it depends how much time, you know, uh, and how much volume uh, happened between the the time frame of you know this ETH token like doubling, mm -hmm. because you could have so many, so much volume that generates so much fees for you that it makes up for that five percent loss. So right, so every time there is a swap that's happening, like yes, your tokens rebalance, but then you are also getting the 0.3 percent exchange fee that's split up between all the liquidity providers within mm -hmm. that pair. Right. So yeah, it depends on a lot of factors. There's a lot of moving pieces, and this is why kind of like the retail world has been uh, totally kind of, you know, ignoring the the pooling opportunities that were actually mm -hmm. like really really uh, good. If you are, especially, it's like a good hedging opportunity, right? If uh, for, it's like for long term holders who are already holding the underlying assets most of the time. Right. Yes, the idea of making unproductive assets productive. That's the idea behind a lot of this. And so let's talk specifically about Zapper. So the idea of corralling all of these disparate pieces of decentralized finance, whether it's derivatives, whether it's swapations, whether it's atomic swaps, whether it's, you know, other different pieces out there, you know, I would love you to discuss the idea of compostability. And so this idea of almost kind of universality out there and be able to, you know, move around different chains, different protocols. How does that how does that happen on Zapper? Oh yeah, absolutely. And that's composability is kind of what excited me about DeFi because I view this as sort of like we're decoupling, you know, US dollar from from your bank account, right? And you are free to kind of utilize the assets uh, to generate perhaps the extra yield instead of kind of like entrusting your bank to do that for you. That's uh, in, in general. But uh, specifically to DeFi, right? Like there's these uh, underlying protocols, right? Like Compound, like Synthetics that are, you know, each individually 
are building out these core infrastructural financial instruments, right? Like, so with Compound, you're able to, you know, uh, generate uh, interest, which is algorithmically derived based on supply and demand. Mm -hmm. And so with Zapper, what we find super exciting is the ability to pick and choose the different pieces from these core underlying financial uh, you know instruments mm -hmm. to come up with brand new use cases so so far we've seen actually most of the activity is actually just augmenting what we have in traditional finance right but what's really exciting about defi are these like brand new use cases which weren't even possible uh, in traditional finance before and this ability to have this like universal look on everything that's going on within each protocol. Mm -hmm. And again, being able to pick and choose and combine them to form like a, a finished uh, product for an end user. So let me tell you like one of the really good examples sure. is uh, where we came out with these leverage pooling zaps they're called so as you could as we kind of went through the example before you mm -hmm. in order to provide liquidity to a pool you need to come in with two assets and if you're coming in say you're holding ether right and you want to come into uh ETH and snx pool you basically have to sell off half of your ether to buy snx right mm -hmm. so if you're a person who actually wants to retain that eth upside right meanwhile you still want to generate the pooling fees perhaps what we created was combining an ETH leverage position and a pooling position. So what mm -hmm. happens is a third of your ETH deposit is actually used to uh, get, a, get a leverage position on that ETH, a 2x mm -hmm. leverage position. So like we can literally start with an example of like you make a three ETH deposit, mm -hmm. one ETH goes to a leverage position, which gives you now exposure to two ETH, right? Mm -hmm. 2x. And now the other two ETH I use to get into a pool. So out of the two ETH, one ETH gets converted to SNX and one ETH is kept as ETH. And then that gets added to the pool. So at the end of the day, what ends up happening is you have one ETH exposure from the pool and two ETH exposure from the leverage position, mm -hmm. which means your overall net exposure to ETH is still to three ETH. Right. Meanwhile, you still have you know 66% of your deposit generating fees from the pool. Mm -hmm. Now talk about the underwriting there because there is risk associated. Ethereum is obviously a volatile asset as is Bitcoin and many of the other ones out there. Um, it's not like a stable coin. And so as we saw recently over the last week and a half with the fiasco associated with Sushi, you had ETH go from about 440, 450 down to around 330. Talk to us about you know the process there uh, you know, in terms of not just Zapper, but in DeFi in general, what kind of happens when something like that happens? Yeah, and this is why it's extremely important for you to kind of do your own research before and be very well aware of what your liquidation price will be. So every time you place a leverage position trade, right, you open up the leverage position, there is a liquidation price, uh, which means that if the price drops below that price, which is your liquidation price, your assets, right, your collateral, which is ETH, gets automatically sold on market and your loan, which you took out in order to initiate that position, gets repaid and plus you pay a little bit of a fine. That's how like the system makes their fees. So... Um, yeah, like in the in the case of like a two x margin trade, your uh, liquidation price, like uh, you know, if ETH is at you know, like you said, four hundred, your liquidation price is somewhere close to like two hundred to twenty five. Uh, so 
you know, on the way up, you actually like eliminate the imperma loss, right? Mm-hmm. By pulling, but on the way down, you're actually doubling it. So if ETH does end up going down, you know, you're going to uh, experience imperma loss at a double the rate as you would have otherwise experienced because you're going to be essentially suffering losses from pooling right. and from the leverage trading position, obviously. So if you're somebody who is obviously like, you know, like maybe bearish underneath, you could take the opposite trade, right? And kind of do uh, a short on mm-hmm. ETH. So yeah, it really it depends on like, yeah, at the end of the day, it always depends on what your current outlook is. And, right. you know, when you're doing that, you're taking a, a one side bet. So let's just, for someone who's trying to visualize, they have Ethereum, they have MetaMask, they are thinking about this, they want to start experimenting with this, they go on Zapper, and the way that it would be pre-Zapper is that if they wanted to provide liquidity to, you know, to Compound or to Wi-Fi or to some of the other ones that are out there right now, you know, basically they'd have to do it one by one by one. And the idea is that with Zapper, it's kind of all in one house. Is that correct? Exactly. Exactly. So now think about it. Yeah. As an end user, you know, you just mentioned kind of like the popular projects and then there's like a new project coming online, like at this point, like every day, maybe mm-hmm. even every couple of hours. And mm-hmm. every time end user has to now learn the, this new UI, right? Like even if it's kind of a similar action, it's still like a different website and yeah, a user has to go through that learning experience. Right. Um, with that, so with yield farming, um, as we've talked about that with many of the other founders on the show, so this you know, obviously kind of feeds into this conversation about yield farming. Um, I'm kind of curious. So if I was wanting to provide liquidity, would Zapper then give me the APYs on the different places I could do that? And then talk about, you mentioned the gas, um, the effect of gas. And for those that are unfamiliar with the terminology, it's not what you put in your car if you still are driving a a combustible engine car. It is fees that uh, on Ethereum, so if you want to get your transaction done faster, you know, it is because there is some congestion there. And so you can try to almost eliminate that uh, by paying a little bit extra. Um, And so that, as Nodar alluded to, that gas fee has gone incredibly high over the last few months as we've had more and more users going on these decentralized finance platforms to do these transactions. And so, you know, talk to us about your role in yield farming, you know, Zapper's role in yield farming, and kind of the ability to, you know, review, if you will, all the different possibilities for yield farming APYs, and then also about the effect on gas. Talk to us about what your effect on gas is. Yeah, absolutely. So in terms of, uh, I guess, like filtering and exploring, uh, you know, new farming opportunities that are, like I said, like coming online almost on an hourly basis here, uh, we try to like yeah, provide at first uh, liquidity information for that pool or vault. So like uh, telling people how much uh, liquidity is so far uh, deposited into that smart contract. And a lot of times that kind of serves as uh you know, like, oh, if uh, people have deposited 200 million into the smart contract, that means they probably did the due diligence and they kind of like blindly uh, follow and trust everyone else who's already deposited 
uh, those funds, which I don't think is the right uh, approach. You should always, you know, do your uh, do your own research because what I'm seeing right now is the kind of people are just like sometimes like throwing money at a wall before they do any kind of due diligence, which you know could result in some sad stories here. Uh, well, let, let's 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 stay on that string there for a second. You're a founder of a of a marketplace, and this is not a hard question. I'm not putting you on the spot, but you're you're a founder of a marketplace, and I have been, let's just say, unhappy. Again, to your point, five hundred, six hundred million dollars piling into these platforms, the the food protocols, if you will, um, and a lot of them are unaudited. They went right from testnet and they launched, and they didn't really even do a ton of diligence or audit on their code. And then, of course, we've had some issues with main components of that. There were basers, obviously, having bugs in them. Um, and then they blow up. And, you know, fortunately, it hasn't, you know, it doesn't seem that it's caused massive problems. But do you believe that it is critical for those that are coming on to Zapper that they should at least have an audit of the code? Yeah. So in terms of that, we don't want to kind of take a position where it's up to us to mm -hmm. kind of like list, uh, you know, which pools you should be getting into. And, uh, you know, like we don't want to be the ones that kind of like deem the pool. Uh, so buyer know. beware. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because if you notice, a lot of times even audited projects, they experience bugs because what happens is you go through an audit and then next week, some new thing comes about and you change something within your contracts. Absolutely. I mean, this, this happened to open recently and uh, yeah, like they changed their contracts like two weeks after they did an audit mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, like, and especially in our space, like you cannot lock yourself down in terms of like code, things are changing and moving a like all mm -hmm. the time. So like you'll be essentially kind of like, yeah, you're like limiting your own kind of innovation and your own growth if you mm -hmm. just like don't change anything, right? So especially like right now, we're in this stage where we're going through this Cambrian explosion of experiments happening in right. uh, DeFi. So we have to stay fluid. We have to stay flexible. And uh, But that doesn't mean that we have to be like completely like kind of like, I guess like reckless, right? Like this is where, um, you know, having at least kind of like what, what we what we tend to do i tell you like uh, it's kind of like we tend to go through like kind of let these projects uh, go through like this battle test period first right so like literally the community itself audits these projects within like the first day or two as they come online and you could see kind of all the loopholes almost all the loopholes mm -hmm. in terms of like oh can this project mint more tokens out of nowhere uh, can they like sell all their tokens uh, are they locked up yeah like all these things that are obviously like pretty important for the community right and i would i would believe that zapper is also providing a little bit more visibility to these different platforms so it behooves the founding team whether they're anons or not that it behooves them if they obviously want to be on zapper which is giving them more visibility to a larger audience that they should probably ensure that things are fairly up to snuff, correct? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And like I myself, like before we put anything on, like I kind of, we tested ourselves, we provide liquidity ourselves to these pools. So yeah, like we do as much due diligence as we you know possibly can. 
but uh, at the same time, like our UI, we actually want uh, like more UIs to be created for Zaps themselves. Because if you really think about it on the smart contract level, you can zap in and use the Zap contracts to interact with uh, anything that's on chain. So. Right. You know, like even like if you look at like our, uh, you know, explore opportunities page, we don't show liquidity pools that I think have less than like a couple hundred thousand in liquidity in it Mm -hmm. simply because, yeah, like it just kind of like falls below the threshold. And like, uh, I think it's like really, it's it's not good to get into a low liquidity pool most of the time. Like most of the time you're going to get just uh, obliterated by impairment loss. Right. I agree. All right. Um, and I, I kind of cut you short, but the, the effect on gas, you know, in terms of that. So I'm guessing because it's all in one place, you don't have to go and do three or four different hops on, you know, Ethereum. So it's kind of cutting down on the amount of gas you have to pay, correct? Yeah, exactly. The transaction batching uh, reduces uh, that gas load. So basically, like, for example, like I was telling you, like, uh, even a simple uh, even a simple thing as like providing liquidity, not only do you have to swap half of your assets into the underlying asset that's required for pooling, you also then have to approve that ERC-20 token. That's like another thing that Ethereum requires you to do. Like, so with Ethereum, you're able to, you know, like make deposits and like, you don't need to kind of approve Ethereum to send it, right? But mm-hmm. if you have an ERC-20 token in your wallet, in your MetaMask, in order to do something with it, right? Like you need to first approve it for, you know, like for some kind of action. So like what happens right. is you like, say, for example, you have DAI that you're trying to add as liquidity to a pool. You first need to approve the pooling contract to do something with your DAI tokens. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that that whole thing gets avoided uh, with, with Zapper and yeah, that uh, just on, I'll tell you on exactly like the pooling transactions. And I actually had a Twitter thread about this recently. I'll ping it. Uh, we save around 33,000 gas. Wow. Okay. That, that's important for people that are listening. That is important. Um, and so theoretically, you know, if I went on there and, you know, I think you also provided this example in your materials. You know, say I deposit ETH and 50% goes into balancer and 50% goes into USDC. You know, basically, what if I kind of screwed up, you know, user error, um, or maybe there was a smart contract error, maybe there was a UI UX or smart contract error, and it really wasn't supposed to be balancer or supposed to be curve. How does that get fixed? Or does it? Yeah, I mean, I guess short answer is it doesn't because it's kind of like everyone is responsible for their own actions. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you that, like, yeah, it, it would be like you doing it yourself because we have like a general contract set up for each uh, protocol. So like, you know, for for uh, like Uniswap zaps, there's like a separate contract, like a general Unipool zap contract, mm-hmm. which basically like if you interact with it, it's only going to Uniswap pools. Mm-hmm. If you try to get into a balancer pool, it's just not going to happen. You're going to get a failed transaction. Uh, and then same thing with others. Like, yeah, for balancer pooling, there's a separate contract. For uh, curve pooling, there's a separate contract. And this is actually how we you know, essentially reduce uh, security loopholes. So if uh, 
we could like essentially pause one of the contracts, replace one of the contracts. So mm-hmm. these are not like upgradable contracts as well. So it's not like we could change things around out of nowhere and like kind of, you know, start rerouting your deposits, uh, you know, right. literally like somewhere else. Right. So, uh, yeah, I think that's kind of like um, the good part about Zaps is these kind of like these, you know, individual general pieces that then other developers could actually pick up and then start mixing and matching together. And that's right. where we kind of want to open up the floor for Zap creations in general, actually. Okay. Again, this is a very important piece to the overall puzzle. It is uh, historically, and I say that with a grin because historically it's been about two years, it has been in a disparate ecosystem. And something like this is quite interesting as it brings all of it together um, or attempts to do that. And for, obviously, as we discussed, the complexities, as uh, as Noda alluded to, you know, abstracting that away is, is something that is important. You know, the idea is that hopefully one day people can interact with these things and not necessarily know that they are digital asset blockchain type of platforms. They just it's almost secondhand to them and they can just figure it out and it's not that complex. And so in terms of adoption, in terms of user growth, you know, things like, you know, Zapper could be very, very important. So just a little fun, uh, as we usually have with our guests at the end, we like to talk about two things that they do hopefully to not only nourish their you know body and soul, but just their mind you know, anything that you've read recently, books or articles, anything out there that has really resonated with you, and then any music that you like. Yeah, I can tell you, I, I was actually talking about this yesterday with uh, with my uh, co-founder, Seb. I really like the piece uh, recently put out by Dan uh, from Paradigm uh, mm-hmm. about uh, how Ethereum mempool is a dark forest. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it talks about... Uh, you know, in general, like Dan was trying, he saw there was an opportunity to take out uh, basically free money out of uh, one of the pools on Uniswap, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, even realizing that there's these like kind of like these generalized arbitrage bots that always watch uh, uh, this thing called mempool, which is basically like a place where all the pending transactions are happening. So mm-hmm. before they go on chain, they go on to this uh, cash pool, which mm-hmm. is like the mempool. So that's where basically you can see like 15 seconds into the future almost, right? right? And that's where you can start taking, you know, really big advantages of arbitra- in, uh, in terms of arbitrage. And this is where kind of then even, re- even knowing that, even knowing those bots exist, they were trying to, you know, take out the money without like making those bots realize that they're taking it out because as soon as those bots realize there's an opportunity, they just snatch it from you. And even, you know, realizing all that, even with Dan being, you know, in Ethereum for a lot of years, you know, those, those bots still won. <laughs> they still got right. the money. <laughs> so it's, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty, it was a pretty uh, interesting piece and a big revelation, re- revelation in terms of like, yeah, like, Ethereum mempool, it really is a, a dark forest. Like it was right on right on point. Mm-hmm. In terms of my music, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I like to listen. Like I guess, like most of the time, it's something like Deep House. I love Solomon. Uh, wow, hip hop. Yeah. Okay. 
That's 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 interesting. You know, I've always I you know I've been doing this for almost two years now, and it's it seems I I don't know why I get surprised about this, but people in digital assets typically have a proclivity towards uh, house and techno and EDM, and so I, as people know who have listened, that was in my you know history back in the day as a DJ. So I find it very very interesting, comforting that there is a thread that many of us share in this world. Um, and so, uh, definitely Solomon is, uh, is a great choice. Um, where can people find out more about Zapper? Um, and if they elect to, you know, where can they actually start to use it? Yeah. So, uh, you can find all the info from our website, zapper.fi. Z-A-P-P-E-R.fi. And there, there's a link to our discord, which is extremely active i'm on it all the time answering like support tickets and like you know just general questions about DeFi. uh especially recently it's gotten like extremely active as obviously like all the farmers are, i can't imagine yeah. why <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so yeah like join us up there you know send me send me a question i'll be happy to help you out walk you through some some of the stuff for sure great Nodar, this was great. Uh, everyone, check out Zapper. We'll have you back on again because this world is not going away. I have a very good feeling that the world of decentralized finance is not going away. It will have its fits and starts. It will have its moments of joy and its moments of anguish, if you will. But at the end of the day, what is being built here is something that is an evolutionary process, and Zapper seems to be a good part of that. So thank you for coming on. We'll have you back on again. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I absolutely agree. DeFi is really taking uh, things to the next level. And I could tell you, er anyone that I see joining DeFi, nobody is leaving. So that's like a great sign for me. Like people are sticking uh, through like bear and bull markets. So that's, that's, right. that's what makes me happy. <laughs> Thank you, Nodar. Thank you, David. Thanks for listening in to Baselayer. If you like the show and all the different guests that we've brought on, please give a like and subscribe on Apple or Spotify or wherever you do listen to the podcast. Also, if you want to have a conversation or reach out to me, you can reach me out on Twitter at David J. Nage. And let's talk there. Or also you can find me on LinkedIn. And I look forward to having great conversations with you all about digital assets. This podcast is presented by Blockworks Group, one of the best digital asset event and media production companies that I know of. For exclusive content and events that provide insight into digital assets, visit them at blockworksgroup.io. You won't be disappointed.